Hello, this is Speaks London Words, episode 33, and as always, I'm Dave Reed. Today's podcast is with a band who are on the verge of becoming huge. With fans including the Arctic Monkeys and Zane Lowe, Raw Blood are being touted as the next big thing in rock music. They've done several live sessions for Radio 1 and they've sold out a headline tour on the back of two brilliant singles. Elliot and I sat down in a London hotel room to talk to Mike and Ben about recording their first album, which is out later this year, their history with Warner Chapel and above all, their music. If you haven't got round to it, why not subscribe to the podcast on iTunes? We're on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash warnerchapeluk and also on Twitter at warner underscore chapel. Chapel is spelled with two P's and two L's. How's it going, guys? You all right? Fantastic. Great. <laughs> cool. Okay, so you guys get compared to like, all the other big duos out there, so like White Stripes, Black Keys, all of those mm-hmm. bands. How does that, how do you feel about that? How do you feel about the comparisons that have been thrown around about you? It's good. Yeah? Yeah, they're all really good bands, so. Do you listen to them much yourselves? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay. I think, um, if I would say this though, I think we do get compared more quickly to two pieces than mm. probably because there's two of us. <laughs> you know? Yeah. As stupid as that sounds, I think. I th- yeah. I think there's other bands we could be compared to. Because well, it's the most obvious visual element of yeah. you. Yeah, and I think, there's just two of you. I think a lot of people don't know we're a two-piece until they find out or see us. Well, yeah. I so see. I kind of think if, there was a, if it was a blind listen test, would, would we get compared as quickly? I don't know. Well, Maybe. I definitely didn't realise there was just two of you until yeah. I was told. I, I, I remember the first time I heard you guys was just before Phil signed you to Warner Chapel. And... Um, you walked into my office, played Figure It Out to me, and said, what do you think? And I was like, I love the guitars. Guitars sound amazing. He's like, no guitars. I was like, really? What is that? And it's just bass. How many of them are there? Just two. No overdubs. I think, I think there is a two-piece sound, though. I would say that. Yeah? Yeah, I think there is a... There's something happens with... Especially when it's guitar, or, or obviously in our case, bass, but when it's rock and there's two people, I think that, that does have a sound. Because yeah, there's only yeah. so much you can do. Yeah. 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 So there's bound to be a certain kind of interplay between yeah. the two of you. Yeah. And it's constant throughout. And I think there's definitely, a, particularly on the guitars, there is a certain style of playing when yeah. you're on your own. Trying to fill. Because you're trying to be everything. <laughs> yeah. Well, you your bass sound is just all encompassing. How, I mean, without giving too much away, because I know some of this is proprietary information, but. How do you go about creating that space-filling sound? Because you are doing guitar parts and bass parts yeah. almost simultaneously. And I, yeah. when we've seen you live, you had like, stacks and stacks of amplifiers on stage. Is yeah. that a big part of it for you? Or? Yeah, yeah. There's, I mean, obviously, I don't really want to give any of it away. No. I mean, I think, uh, yeah, it's about using more than one amplifier, definitely. Mm. And, but mainly using the amplifiers as my pedals, okay. Instead of pedals to send to amplifiers, cool. So it's not really about pedals that much. Um, but yes. I mean, it, there are some key pedals in my on my board, but mm. they're the ones I'm not going to talk about. No, so, yeah. I will though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Ben, ben, Ben's happy to talk about um, his pedals. He's got the main one is the tuner. <laughs> and, I can imagine. Yeah, he has two of those, so. Two That's what make the sound, yeah, to be sure. <laughs> but yeah, it's mainly about amplifiers, really, and, yeah. and turning them on and off, awesome. and orchestrating them, mm. and bringing them in, like like a member. 
Wow. So that's what it's about, really. So every every amp's on during the chorus. And okay. perhaps, perhaps not a lot of them are on during the verse. Just that's how... It, so how did your parents feel about this while you were learning to play bass? Did you have like a room full of amplifiers as a kid then? Yeah, I mean none of them were that big though. Nah. Because you know, you can't afford them. And... No. But, um, yeah, the neighbours aren't... They're friendly now. Your, your, your dad joined in, didn't he, with the trumpet? And... Yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah oh, definitely, nice. yeah. I was, I was riffing out and my dad would come in with the, with the trumpet and the mute. <laughs> Sound like some awesome. bizarre prog rock <laughs> family so band. Sure. Yeah. So, do you come from musical families then? Yeah. You grow up around. You a lot or? more so than me. Yeah, yeah. My my sisters all married into musicians, and my really? brother is a bass player. But my parents had nothing to do with. So I don't know. Was there a lot of music in the house growing up? No. Nope. Hardly anything. I mean, I was listening to Eiffel 65 and, and you know, Backstreet Boys, so there wow. was no, like, drilling in of this is what, you know, is good. I was just like... Find it on your own. I was just now 65. Yeah. That's what was good. Hit after hit. Did you play drums with Eiffel 65? Yeah, I did. Yeah. yeah. Were you one of those kids that had, like, every pot and pan out on the kitchen floor? That's it. Away? There's a yeah. picture of him with pots and pans out. Yeah. Really? Yeah, when you're about, what, five? Yeah. So maybe even younger. What about you, Mike? Was there, well, your dad was a trumpet player, obviously. Yeah. Um, no one in my house, my, my, they all sort of did lessons till they were about eight and then all got bored. But I did piano lessons from, so I was about six. Wow. And then I begged and begged to quit. And eventually <laughs> I got to quit when I was like 10. And it was like the best day ever. Because <laughs> my piano teacher was terrifying. Really? Yeah, she was terrifying. She used to shout at me, like, what note's this? This is the first note we learned. And I was like, <laughs> I was just... That's really cruel. And I, because I, like, found out I had a better ear than I did from reading, I would, like, find, find out what the song sounded like and learn it. So I'd go into the lessons and play it. And she'd be like, you're not reading it, are you? I'd be like, no. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, I'm a bad reader in general anyway, so I think that's what it is. But yeah, I did piano lessons and then I got to quit. But when I quit, I started playing again for fun, just like listening to Queen and like Muse and the Beach Boys and the Beatles and um, playing piano. And then I got really, yeah, just started doing it for fun again. Mm. Played played a bit of guitar and piano is my, is my main instrument, really. Is I only it? really picked up a bass when I was about 20, 21. Really? Wow. It was for a session, like a punk rock session. This um, this artist that was in like a development deal, and someone I knew was like, "Look, there's a uh, they need a bass player. You play bass, right?" And I was like, "Yeah." I, I didn't have a job. Right? <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, everyone's a bass player. Yeah. Um, I didn't have a job, so I was like, it was like fifty pound a day or something. I was like, "Fuck it." Yeah, yeah, I play bass, so I borrowed one. And Ben was actually doing the drums for it. Man. So we went in, into this session. Ben was like keeping trying to keep a straight face because I'm obviously like winging this whole session. <laughs> and uh, they were loving it. They, they had the wall pulled straight over their eyes. And uh, yeah, there, there was one point where the manager of this this artist said that Mike was a, a world class bass player. And we just this was in the first week of him playing bass. Yeah, he said I was world class, which was comedy gold but it's, it turns out the guy that was recording this session Tom Dalgetty is the guy that has done all our recordings now so he was recording this session and then I um, 
I basically got talking to him and showed him some stuff I was writing on my own that was, you know, rock music, I guess, with no vocals, nothing. And then he was like, you should sing. And then I thought that was a silly idea. I thought it was silly enough that I was playing bass already. <laughs> so I started demoing a little bit of him. And then, yeah, we he became a really good friend as well and was basically recording us for free. Me and Ben would... At the time, we had a guitarist as well, so we we went to um, Rockfield a few times and did a few demos, and I still wasn't really singing. I didn't really like it. I hated the sound of my own voice. So was it mainly instrumental stuff then? No. Yeah, like a lot of the time we'd go and like they would come back with demos. We'd come back with riffs, and there'd be no vocals on it, and I wouldn't know where to start really. Right. How do you feel about singing now? Yeah, I, really, I love it. Yeah. It's great. What, yeah. what, what was the change? I don't know. It's like remember the first time hearing your own voice back it's like you know when you watch a video of yourself talking and you're like oh fuck do I sound like that <laughs> it was a bit like that yeah but times a hundred it was like it just makes my Ben used to play recordings of me singing because he knew how much I hated it <laughs> kind yeah, yeah real nice and he'd crank it in his car and I'd be like oh fuck's sake don't know. <laughs> so he's probably got some horrible horrible demos <laughs> so I don't know I just got over it <laughs> I just yeah. I did it so much I got over it until it wasn't, yeah. it wasn't a big deal anymore I, know, I think you never hear your own voice the way anyone else will hear it. No, there's, there's always that part of you that's like, oh, really? That's You'll never hear it. I'll always yeah. hear it my way, which is... And you're always going to be your biggest critic of, of your own I talent, so, yeah. I guess. So. What was the artist that you were, that you were recording with? Uh, on I, can't say, I can't say, I can't say. All right, fair enough. These boys keep their cards to their chest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, how did you guys meet? Was that... Was that session the first time you played together? Or? No, no, we we met each other kind of when we were probably like sixteen. Oh, okay. Um, just on the kind of gigging circuit of like the South Coast, really, like yeah. Chichester and Brighton and Worthing, Littlehampton, and you just like everyone had their band, and they'd always have, like they'd have one member that could drive. <laughs> they don't mean like just pass. Yeah. Everyone had these shitty little cars full of gear and everything. You know, we just Space do the circuit. Yeah. Yeah. It was just like college nights, really. So me and Ben met at, um, yeah, on that kind of circuit, really. He was in a band and I was in a different band. Ben ended up joining the band I was in. I was playing guitar. And okay, Ben well, convinced we'll me to, to Ben was wow. like, I want to be in this band. And I was like, well, what are you going to do? Look, you're a drummer. He's like, I'll play guitar. So we semi-seriously invited him down to the rehearsal. <laughs> and it was great. We were like, let's do it. And yeah, it worked really well. It was good fun. Yeah, I convinced you, didn't I? Eventually. Well, what kind of band was this that required a keytar? This. Well, I was playing. Ba- I was playing bass on the keyboard. Okay. So I had like a bass amp and was running it through like distortion pedals, and then it kind of the whole that whole band really was was really a joke. <laughs> like, <laughs> like we we would spend half the time pissing ourselves laughing at how silly the music was, but then it, we we started taking it really seriously and we ended up. We started this band called Hunting the Minotaur and it got to this thing where it was like, I guess that was the first band I was in where we really got serious with it and got really busy and mm. we had a good run and I was still friends with everyone in it. Awesome. But um, that ended up kind of finishing and then I guess that's where I carried on writing mm. after that had finished. And then moving on into the Royal Blood stuff. Into the session mm. and then Royal Blood kind of slowly forming. Mm. So, how long was it between like starting that writing process for the earlier stuff before Phil got in contact? And not long, really, because 
even though we'd done all this demoing from Rockfield, I ended up, there was a point where we didn't have a vocalist and we didn't have a band, you know, so we weren't playing live. Yeah. We were just going, spending some little bit of money, going, recording. I ended up going to Australia for a little bit and just traveling really. I tried to start a band out there and it didn't really work without going into too much detail. It ended up being a somewhat of a disaster. I was uh, there for about nine months. Man. But I had, I had, but I started have some of the ideas I'd had originally. I was, I was slowly getting vocal parts of them, okay. and and I'd done some gigs with, with different members, and then it all fell to pieces. And I came back. Ben picked me up from the airport. So this is yeah, probably nine months between recording and this happening. Right. And Ben picked me up from the airport, and I was like, "Do you want to be in this band?" Because I don't, I don't want to do it with anyone else really. That and he was like, "Yeah." So then the next day we had a, a gig. A gig. Are you serious? <laughs> the next yeah. day I was coming back <laughs> from Australia. Uh, four songs. Yeah, four, four songs. songs. Yeah. But we we met up for an hour, and I was like, "Okay, here's some riffs. Here's the ideas." Like, I'm not even sure. Like, we were playing Figure It Out, and I didn't have any vocals for the chorus, so I would make them up every <laughs> on night. The, on, on, wow. Yeah. But that's how Did undeveloped it was. Like, we we turned up to a a bar in Worthing, like just a bar, and uh, it was like an open mic night. And uh, we were like, someone was like, you should come play. So we turned up with our gear, and the noise limiter was like spazzing out, oh, <laughs> and all the power was about to go. But yeah, we played for about 15 minutes, and it was amazing. It was like one of the best gigs we've ever done. And that was where all, all our mates who hadn't seen us play together, or seen us been in anything mm. serious for a long time were like, what you're doing is really good. Like, it was a really good atmosphere. Everyone was buzzing, and and was that that the first gig, the one? Yeah, and that's when I think that's when we realised right, this is really special, and we need, we need to like actually write some lyrics and get our shit together and record yeah. properly this time. So, and that's what we did. We went to a studio in Bradford on Avon called Nam. Okay. Because that's all we could afford, really, and you know it's it's a pretty modest studio, but. We we made it work and we did four songs in about two days. No, five songs in two days. And what were they? What were those five songs? Uh, Come on over. Mm-hmm. Figure it out. Hole. Hole. You could be so cruel, which you haven't heard. Well, you might it's have heard, have, but yeah, yeah it's going to be an album track, I think. So, and um, another song called Everything to Everyone, which kind of fizzled, fizzled out a little bit. But so yeah, like five really important yeah. tracks though. Brilliant. And have kind of still lasted up until now. So, have you re-recorded any of those for the album, or are you using those um, original yeah. versions? Most of it's been what we did then. Wow! I think coming over, we ended up redoing some of the guitars just because from then until now, I've developed my sound a lot more and had a bit more time and a bit more money to actually yeah. see how far I can push it and go and buy some proper amps. I didn't actually own my own amps for a while. Just like mates, renting and lending. and Playing them live as well, the song, like, it develops the way Mike played it and he only re-recorded the guitars for it. It just sounds like how we play it now, so. Cool. Because we hadn't hadn't toured all these songs. No. Where everything, like you said, everything changes and you, yeah. You go, oh, fuck it, I can play this, I can do this bit here now. and You get to workshop. Yeah, everything develops so much that but yeah, so I guess from that original recording session, we most of it's the same. It's this, it's mental, really. It's incredible. Think, mm. think that we were recording like the lead track of our album for like two hundred pounds. Yeah. Wow. Just going, yeah, this sounds cool. 
So how's how's the album going? Are you have you finished it? it? Yeah, almost done. Wow, which is a good feeling. Yeah, but um, it's yeah, it's, it's it's been good really. We've done it the way we've been recording it. It's been like going in in batches really, like like we did the first time. So we've gone and done four songs, recorded them, come back and and started writing fresh again. Have you changed studios? We didn't at first. We went back to Nam because we were like whatever we were doing in the studio <laughs> no matter how weird it might seem we should stick to that yeah. and we were we did out of the black there really yeah wow. that's where we did it and like the sound on it's that. just such a difficult mm. studio to record in sometimes because the, con- the control room is upstairs and you can't see downstairs ah. and there's just a lot of there's so many limitations there there's not really any boost to put amps in and you've kind of got there's one sound to that studio because there's one room yeah so we ended up going back to Rockfield where we used to demo and it was just different, I think, because we've been we've been to Rockford so many times. It's kind of like it feels almost like home for recording now. It's like we know every corner of it. We know how, if you want to make this sound, we we've trolled and aired it before there, and we know how to do it. So you've got the room sussed, and we know where to put yeah. things. Yeah, like we tried mental stuff. Like once we um, tried recording drums in this big games room behind the control room, and put a PA in there and just put the snare, kick and toms through the PA and then put a like, room mic, do you know what I mean? We've like tried, tried stuff like that. And How did that sound? It was pretty crazy. Yeah. <laughs> there was a, a robin in the room as well. At, yeah, bird. And, that, and yeah, just sitting on the drum mics when I was playing. Yeah. How did he survive yeah. that? Yeah. I don't know, it was, just, it was going crazy when I was playing. And then it was, when I stopped, just come and sit down. Mental. That's insane. <laughs> I mean, you're a, a pretty huge sounding drummer anyway, but I mean, run through a PA yeah, with all that extra amplification, that must have sounded yeah, huge. huge. Did that yeah. make it onto any recordings? No, just... we won't use that technique later on at some point. Yeah, it sounds interesting, that technique. Yeah, it's loud, yeah. <laughs> you're quite innovative in terms of the way you approach recording and the technology side of it, because like, you've talked before in interviews about the different instruments you're building, like diddly bows and some strange thing where you've hollowed out a big chunk of wood and run yeah, a few yeah, bass yeah. strings across it. What, where does all that come from? What's what's kind of inspired that? I think like just being in a two-piece and deciding not to cheat means that you have to work harder, you know? Mm. So we're kind of quite strict of ourselves, especially when it's recording, about not recording things that we're not doing live. Like, cause I think, especially in the studio, it's quite easy to be like, let's do a back and vocal. You go, okay, let's do a shaker, fine. But then it's like, well, if we had this bit of organ kind of droning in the background as well. Yeah, and then a tambourine as well. And then we could like double up that with a guitar and then have a violin. And then and it's, suddenly you're the building- The children's choir. <laughs> and the children's choir <laughs> in for the chorus and then yeah. the gong. And then suddenly it's like, it's not sounding like us anymore. So if the yeah. first, I think, you were quite strict about just recording about what we can do. So I think as soon as that was in place, it was like, how can we make different sounds without using that, without using backing tracks or adding anyone to the band? So it was like, yeah, just figure out how we can keep bass notes going, or I can play other melodies with other instruments, and then you just start thinking outside the box, I guess. But I mean, I don't think any of these instruments are finished yet. There's, no. <laughs> there's a lot of work to be done. Cool. but. Um, yeah, I reckon it just comes from that, really. Cool. So none of them made it onto the album? 
Um, one of them has. Yeah, it's like a um, a short scale bass with two bass strings and then two guitar strings. Oh, yeah. And then I use a um, a slide. Uh, like a slide, lap steel slide. Awesome. Which is cool. Is that one of your Gretsch basses? That yeah, yeah. That, that was that's actually the first bass. The original. The original one that I got in Chicago. In Chicago. Yeah, yeah. My cousins <laughs> live there, so I went to go and visit them, and it was like that Wayne's World moment. Well, I'd like only just done that. I hadn't really. I hadn't picked up a bass since that session, mm. and I like saw it in the window and was like, "It must be mine." <laughs> <laughs> and it was like two hundred dollars. Yeah, it was in the sale at Guitar Center, and I found out it's like made in China, and they're actually not very good, but I love them for some reason. The yeah, you've got good like size, and they two or three of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um. That one actually snapped in half. I heard about us. We did a gig in Brighton. We were like right on the last song. I was getting so we were playing Figure It Out, and I was so excited. And I was. It was half three in the morning. Mike had just got off a plane, and so he was jet lagged. There's somewhat of a theme running through here. Yeah. Like, where oh, were yeah. you that time? What? What? Oh you, yeah. You just went out to Nashville, didn't oh, you? Yeah, we just done the first batch of recording, and I posted stuff online. Nothing really happened, and I was like, I'm just gonna quit my job now and I'm going to go to America for three weeks so I went to Nashville because I got some I met some people out there last time I went so I went to Nashville and um yeah so when I the day I came I landed we had a gig so I, I haven't been to sleep for like two days and we played the show we went on till three in the morning and we were like oh man and then we started or I started drinking and I hadn't drunk that much, but it's not a great combination. Yeah, jet lag and booze. And then exhaustion. It's too much. And uh, I tripped over my pedal board. Like backwards, though. Fell off the stage backwards. And I was thinking, fuck, this is me. I, this is my time. So I, uh, I, I threw, I sort of instinctively sort of threw the bass over my shoulder. And uh, the bass kind of took the hit and just snapped clean in half, oh, like man. straight down the middle. And it was very rock and roll. But yeah, my, I, um, I got my dad to help me super glue it back together. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I used it on the album. I still, I, and it's on, on the record? Yeah, it's on, it's on the road as well, so easy, yeah. Really so good. it's like this 200 pound bass from China that's been glued back together. And man, that's incredible. That it's lasted, survived through all that. It's going strong, yeah. Yeah. How do you guys write songs? What's the, uh, how do you share that? Um, we jam. Yes, it's a pretty horrible word, but um, we, get into <laughs> yeah. a, we just man and jam. Yeah, turn up at, to a rehearsal studio together and just have different ideas of where things can go. And so Mike will come up with like a riff or something, and then I'll drum over it, and then say, like, we'll agree on where it could go. Or it's a pretty primitive process, yeah. like. I don't understand how people can sit there on a laptop and write albums by programming and I don't. With us it's like some sort of just play together until you stumble across something that makes you laugh or makes you excited and you just yeah. you just agree and go that's good, <laughs> let's put it in the good pile, <laughs> record it on our phones and then you do that again. Yeah. It's weird, I think it's just like finding stuff. Sieving through yeah, music. Sieve through it. Just play all the notes until you find the good ones. <laughs> So it's a very We're not classically trained, as you can tell. <laughs> There's no sitting over a piano, like stroking the hair back. Maybe like, maybe quill. post that process. So right. maybe once we've got 
sort of an idea for and a melody for a chorus perhaps I'll go and use the piano as just to kind of help me write melodies and Cause, things like that because what we're writing it doesn't have chords in either mm. so when Mike goes on to a piano you can transpose what we're playing into more I guess music yeah it's more it fleshes mm. out what I'm playing in this okay because if my reference point is normally one note then my options are kind of endless and I can kind of get a bit lost as to where to go with it. Whereas sometimes you go with piano and you can decide whether something's major or minor. Whereas, yeah. <laughs> whereas that is yeah. not ever yeah. the, that's not the case with what I'm playing. No, I can do whatever I want with my vocals, which is freedom, but it's also like, can just make you be lost from sometimes. So Restriction to freedom. Yes. Having so much choice that you can't really yeah. decide where to go. Exactly. It sounds like it's quite a collaborative process. Definitely, yeah, definitely. Well, I think that's that's all we've really got because there's two of us. Mm. You know, that's the only strength we have. I guess yeah. in like four or five piece bands, there might be two main writers that work together, yeah. or one kind of dictator that tells everyone else what to do. <laughs> but with us, it's like that's that that has to be our strength in writing. Mm. I think anyway. I mean, obviously, yeah. we sort of take care of our own departments. Yeah, in, in a sense, but. We're always helping each other go in the right direction with what we're doing. Especially with Ben is a big hand in melodies and pointing me in the right direction. Because I've got a lot to think about sometimes when yeah. I'm playing. It's like you know, rubbing your, your belly and tapping your head. And it's like it turns into a bit of a, a dance. And I probably don't have as much perspective as someone sitting there and listening to it, you know? Yeah. Well, learning to sing and play at the same time is a, a complex thing. and especially with what you're doing. Like you were saying, there's no chords. There's a lot of footwork as well. Yeah. So you're essentially doing three things. Four if you count both hands. And, yeah. and you're fronting a band as well, in the, in the way that you're the one standing with the microphone on stage. Yeah. yeah. Communi- do you communicate with, with, the, with the crowd, both of you, at the same time? Or? Um, we just kind of play, just really. Play. Yeah. We just kind of do our thing. Yeah. and. For a two-piece, you're quite a visual band yeah. to watch live. Like, there's always a lot going on on stage. Like, even even you've been in there, you're, you're stuck behind the kit. There's a lot of yeah. You have a tendency to raise your arms up and, and bring them down yeah. really hard, and it's quite a, a dynamic thing to see as well as to hear. Yeah, I guess we're both just trying to be as big a character as possible live, mm. really. And it's not really a it's not really a fight, I wouldn't say, but we're no. I think as a drummer, Ben's got some some volume to put out, and I've I've got to match that, you know. So it's like constantly matching each other and making sure we're both as big as each other. Yeah. You know, until it gets screwed up into a big ball and thrown out into the abyss. What a way to put it. Yeah. So, how did you guys get involved with Warner Chapel? Let's let's talk about that. that so I got an email from Phil Christie saying um, do you have a publisher and I emailed back saying what's a publisher amazing <laughs> um, I think that's most people and I saw the Warner Brothers logo and thought this can't be good <laughs> 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 this can't be good what do they want <laughs> what have I done who have I infringed yeah so yeah he basically gave me a call and said you know he was really excited about what he'd heard and wanted to come and, and meet me so he ended up coming to Worthing Ben was on his stag do so like the first day of his stag do so I was in the Mankini playing football at the time yes. yeah. so yeah. from the day after that we were going to um, 
to Brussels. So I was like, right, I'll just sacrifice the first day of the... Uh, it means I don't have. I get to not play football as well, which is great. I'm going to get out of jail free card there. <laughs> so I'll, I was like, I'll go see this, this publisher dude um, and you go and do that. So yeah, I met with him and yeah, he kind of just sort of offered us a deal in the pub really. But obviously, nothing was signed, obviously. <laughs> we didn't get that drunk. And then Phil came a really important contact for us really and sort of orchestrated everyone that we're working with now from from the get-go and uh yeah he just kind of guided us through the music industry really it's and always helpful to have that guide yeah, yeah. Uh, have someone there who knows the ins and outs and is yeah. looking out for you but he kind of in, yeah introduced us to our management um our lawyer you know every, every everyone yeah. so he's the kind of yeah he's a very important character for us <laughs> that's why we're here today yeah definitely and he um, the sort of trust we have of him as well is is ridiculous like I think we have quite a rare relationship where he would come down and listen to songs and make suggestions and then we'd think what's he talking about <laughs> and then he'd leave and we'd do them and go fuck <laughs> like, he's right like you know what I mean in nine times out of ten he would he would, we'd be on the same page with him artistically so he became very sort of valuable to us yeah. so it's been great yeah it's awesome. been awesome well, I've never seen so much excitement about a band happen so quickly yeah. as it did with you guys like from that time that Phil played me the first track to having you guys signed and then coming in is, and it, then is it 12 months? almost it was uh, mid-April 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 so, yeah. so it's been quite a 12 months yeah less than a year it's been outrageous yeah, yeah. we've done I think if you could have sort of read the list of things that we would do from the day of signing to now, we wouldn't believe mm. you, you know. What, what's been a highlight for you? And so many. Like playing with Jason Derillo in Miami. Um, <laughs> sure. Playing with Coldplay. Playing with Coldplay. Yeah. In the club. yeah. yeah. Um, having vodka with Muse. <laughs> wow. Um, Matt Helders wearing our t shirt, yeah. Glastonbury. Being which, at Glastonbury. Being at Glastonbury. <laughs> um, uh, first headline tour yeah selling yeah. out a headline tour and going to like Exeter oh, we've played like we've never played there and it being full and like all the Radio 1 activity like Zane Lowe yeah. Yeah. being complete so supportive of our music he and, been, he? yeah. he's really literally been, forcing it down everyone's yeah. throats it's which is great and that, yeah. yeah I guess sort of having that support from the Arctic Monkeys as well is, mm. is, a, is a massive deal to us because they're uh, we're fans you know, we're just fans of that band. Yeah. So having them sort of asking us to open up their biggest show. UK show they today is You've got some huge gigs coming up. Oh, yeah. You're opening up for the Pixies. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and yeah. Is that, has that been confirmed? Members. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> we're pretty nonchalant yeah. about it now. Do you find it daunting at all? Do you? Or is it all... I don't know. Like, the thing is, we, we've been so... It's getting so much busier now mm. that we're only really thinking a week in a week in advance. So the next thing that's on our mind is South by, yeah. and then the next thing that is in our thought process is going the next step up and playing to playing academies, which we haven't done yet. Yeah. You know, so it's like every two weeks is a milestone, mm. and we're we're a little bit more out of our comfort zone to start worrying or thinking about playing to fifty thousand people now is a bit premature. And I don't think we have, we won't have time to process that really until 
the week before, <laughs> like we're doing now, you know. Yeah. So it's, I think because uh, we've only we've only seen like two hundred people, you know, mm. like seven hundred people at the most be at one of our gigs. So to think of fifty thousand, you yeah. you, can't, you need to get up to twenty thousand or something yeah, yeah, in your yeah. head. It's before, a big gap, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, to is, know yeah. that what how much that looks like, you know, in yeah. front of you, you have no idea. I don't know. I've sp- I've spoken to people that have played in front of that many people, and they've been uh, they've just said it's the same. Yeah, <laughs> you're a bit more detached, and it's fine. I'm yeah. sure they were just being. <laughs> it's fine, man. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. It's easy. It's easy. Well, he's fucked. <laughs> he's totally fucked. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's nothing. There's nothing to be. We're not nervous about it. I don't think. Well, no. There's there'll be a natural nervousness before yeah. it, but. We've been asked to do it by the headliners, so it's like we, we feel welcome to the party. Yeah. I'm not intruding in any way, so. Fantastic. Well, this seems like a, a natural place to wrap it all up. Yeah. Guys, thank you very much for doing this. It's, no worries, uh, man. Pleasure. I'm glad we finally managed to get yeah. you yeah. here because we've been wanting to for a while. So. Uh, yeah, we're really excited at Wine Chapel. Yeah. Everything, everything that comes through from you guys, it's always just it's yeah. exciting. I mean, we, we've heard more than I think most people out there will have just because. Yeah, this is one of the perks of our jobs. Yeah, <laughs> we get yeah, to yeah. hear stuff before it comes out, but everything is just sounding fantastic, and it's all getting better and better and better as it goes on. So Thanks, man. We're really excited about it all. I'm excited as well. Something is. It's gonna be a blast. <laughs>